Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver. Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have the opportunity to speak to a former BBC breakfast presenter. She's now a motivational speaker. She helps people become a little bit more famous and provides a little bit more confidence for people that want it. I got a lot of value from this uh, from this conversation, and I hope you do too. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with a former BBC Breakfast and News Channel TV presenter and journalist, and now turned motivational speaker, coach and author. Hello, Penny Haslam. How are you? Hello, I'm very well, Lee. How are you? Yeah, really, really good. Thank you very much. But for those people that don't know who you are, who are you? Well... I'm, I'm, you know, many people don't know who I am and that's absolutely brilliant and fine because I was a little bit famous on television for a couple of years uh, presenting the business news on BBC Breakfast, as you said. Um, so I've got a long history and experience in broadcasting, but I left broadcasting because I didn't really feel like I could be myself very much. And um, I got, <laughs> I, oh, Weight Watchers rang me up. Right, Weight Watchers rang me up and said, we've seen you on television. We're not saying you're fat, but oh, wow. would you like to lose some weight and be a celebrity brand ambassador? So that was in 2013. So I left what was ostensibly a quite a glamorous glamorous uh, job in broadcasting. Um, you know, top of the tree on the breakfast television, you know, all, all loads of makeup and smiles at six o'clock in the morning uh, to go and be a bit more like myself, actually, and got paid to lose weight, brilliant. And I got, was on a TV ad, uh, I was on another TV ad with Patsy Kensett um, and that, uh, the guy off MasterChef, Greg Wallace. So the three of us, and that helped me uh, move away from broadcasting and to set up my own business, uh, which is helping people raise their profile, making themselves a little bit famous on telly, yeah, sure, radio, but also through live speaking, being a keynote speaker, uh, or taking part in panels or doing smartphone video. So it's lots of different ways of be- being yourself, being authentic, being accessible and engaging and driving attention to your business, yeah, or your career if you're an employee, because this is all really important stuff if you're an employee, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, no one wants to be a best kept secret. So it's brilliant. I love what I do now far more than broadcasting. So I get to help people. I get to work with people, a variety of different people and businesses. Uh, and it's just, oh, it's brilliant. I've made so many lovely contacts over the last six years from doing this, far more than I ever would have in broadcasting. So that's me. That's uh, who I am uh, at the moment. I'm not going to say there's another incarnation because I think we've, I've had a few of those, a few career changes. <laughs> Oh, so amazing thank thank you for that so you've used um a little bit a few times in, in when you've introduced yourself then and you've just released um a book about, about a month ago about make yourself a little bit famous yeah yeah this was a culmination of all my training and coaching that i do with people i thought this this is really useful to people in business so you know media training for example costs thousands and 
is really only available if you're at the top of your uh, organization and you've got pockets but for most people it's a massive mystery so how do you get on tv and radio how how do those people end up on tv and radio and so having spent 20 years in broadcasting interviewing businessmen and women seeing their little bit of fame really help their businesses i thought right now is the time to God, share everything I know about how you do a great performance on TV and radio, how you get on in the first place and how you can get your message across and your expertise across. Because a lot of the books available, a lot of the training available is all about company spokespeople. So if there's a problem, what do you say? If your back's against the wall, what do you say? If you're under pressure, what do you say? But I've turned all that on its head and said, right, the, the broadcasters need experts, you know, people who can say some interesting stuff share a viewpoint on the news they're not necessarily part of the news so how do they do that so I thought I'll do that I'll put it in the book that's useful also the other thing you can do to make yourself a little bit famous because that's a big one isn't it telly and radio is go on a podcast of course so the radio learning in that is is valuable but there's also um other ways of doing it so speaking at live events being an industry keynote speaker a lot of people I see speaking when I speak are from businesses so there's a real place for everyone on the platform there. So how can you do it well? How can you share with people what you do and how you help them in a way that's entertaining, engaging, and not really boring? Because there are a lot of boring presentation things out there. You know, the ones with like 73 bullet points, and then they start reading all of them. And everyone's like, oh, God, I wish I was clearing out my sock drawer instead and tidying it up. So, um, and then there's panels as well. So I've been chairing panels professionally for about 10 years and I've, I've seen some bad panelists and I've seen some brilliant ones. And so I've included a chapter on that as well about how to be, how to shine when you're on a panel and stand out as somebody who's likable and engaging rather than trying to network with everyone in the room. Why not just be at the front of the room, shaking hands with everyone in one go? Um, so that's, that's the gist of the book and it's about making that a strategy and making that part of your work because it really does pay off you know not just financially but from a from getting attention uh, from connections you know you might want to fill some vacancies job vacancies at your place if you're out there people are seeing your brand as engaging and likable they're going to want to work there aren't they so the investors as well as there's, there's a whole range of audiences that you might want to get in front of and this approach um, is inexpensive you know we need to spend your time and a bit of effort and the price. So yeah, getting away from expensive media training and just sharing that was part of my uh, motivation for, for writing it. Yeah. Got you. Amazing. So when I first saw the book title and I read it, make yourself a little bit famous, I thought, well, why not a lot famous? Why did <laughs> well, you, why did you opt for a little bit famous? Well, you can of course make yourself a lot famous. Uh, you can do with that what you want really. But when I speak at events, so maybe I'm at a leadership conference, an employee event, or I'm at a, bi a business conference, I ask the audience, put your hand up if you want to be famous. No one, but there'll be always one person, always one person who wants to be Kim Kardashian, or they want to go on Britain's Got Talent. You know, there'll always be one person, and that's great, absolutely brilliant. But most sensible people in business as an employee or a leader or business owner don't have got better things to do than just be a massive famous person. So I then asked them, well, okay, if you don't want to be famous, put your hand up if you want to be a best kept secret. 
and no one puts their hand up. So people are stuck in the middle, aren't they? Like they know that they need to get attention for what they do, yet they don't want to seem like a show off. They don't want to look like an idiot. They don't want to say the wrong thing. And so when I say, okay, you need to find the middle ground, which is to make yourself a little bit famous, kind of emboldens people to think, okay, I can take ownership of this. I can give myself permission to do this and I can take it wherever I want. So there'll be people who are already doing this activity who want to do it more and more and more. And that's great for them. But yeah, most people are very happy with just a little bit of fame. Otherwise, it's a bit frightening, isn't it? Yeah, no, com- completely. No, I love that. Um, and if, if you had to give one or two little tips to people to start that journey, so how do, I guess a couple of questions here, actually. How would you get somebody to, to take action first? And then if you, if you get them to take action, what would be the first thing that you would get them to do? Okay, so if we had a blank sheet, which is often the yeah. case, actually, uh, when I have uh, coaching clients come along, they go, I've, had, I've got no social media presence. I've got no uh, activity that I've got to my name in anything I've done. So I would definitely ask the question, what do you want to achieve? So, you know, you don't just burst out the door and go networking. You don't just burst out the door and start speaking on stages without having an idea of why you might do that in the first place. It's very much looking at why you should do it. And, you know, I've mentioned attracting candidates to your business, attracting investors, getting known by the boss getting buy-in for what you do if your ideas maybe getting to work on better projects more interesting work um you know getting out of the silo trying to get to know people in your organization and increasing your network and also you know attracting attention to your brand so i've got a mate who i've known for about 20 years when i first started booking him on do you remember a program on radio uh, on bbc2 called working lunch Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was like a student. Students used to watch it for some reason. It was really popular, but it was um, a financial program, personal finance and business. And Justin used to come on. He used to get booked on as an expert. He then set up his own business and investment company. And he told me a couple of years ago that he'd done like a spreadsheet, of course, to show the uh, the value of what his activity had been in one year in order to show it to investors. Um, and, uh, because because uh, of his activity, speaking and going on TV and radio, being quoted in the press as a result, uh, the spend, he would have had to spend in the region of a million pounds on that level of PR marketing activity in order to net the same reach. So if you're, if you're not flush with a massive PR company, a press office, a marketing department uh, or agency, then you probably need to find other ways of, of raising your profile. So there's real value in it. And if that's not an incentive, you know, just the fact that you know, it might just be fun as well. And being a figurehead for what you do is, um, is part of your job. You know, you can't just be quiet anymore. You've got to be visible. You've got to be a visible leader. Yeah, yeah. But in, does that not create more problems in terms of um, confidence and, and people having a fear of um, getting themselves out there? Do you, do you yeah. find that as well? Yeah, it doesn't create the problem so much as reveal it. Okay, yeah. So I've got um, a story in the book about, um, you know, when you set up in business, Lee, you've got to get those things uh, called customers, haven't you? Yeah, it helps. <laughs> really useful. Yeah. It really helps, yeah. Uh, it helps pay the mortgage, that sort of stuff. And I knew that doing sales and marketing would be part of what I had to do as a business owner. I knew that sending out an email newsletter would be a cool way of connecting with my database and saying hi 
this is what I'm doing. Hello, you know, basic stuff really. But God, I spent so much time dragging that idea around with me. About three months it took me to write this blooming email because I was, I was underconfident and I recognized it when I rang my mate Gail up. Um, and she said, Penny, do you know what you're doing with this email? It's just really shocking. You, you're coloring in, love. You're coloring in and you're just, you know, making sure everything's neat and tidy and you're setting out the email. It's really nicely well written and you've got a nice logo and a headshot and you're looking at your database and the CRM you're going to use, what the words you're going to write. And actually what I was doing was perfecting the, what I needed to, to get on with. And I was coloring in. So she said, stop coloring in and sketch your future. So it was a reminder to me that, um, you know, we hide behind things. And if something's showing up on your to-do list that would actually benefit your career or your business, so maybe it's about reading your website, um, writing a book, uh, sending somebody some information, connecting for a coffee, uh, sharing your CV with somebody, then if, you, if you're not getting on with that, you're probably lacking a bit of confidence or uh, self-validation, really. So very much in the book is showing people that everyone has a place everyone's voice is to be heard you've got to be yourself and everyone's got something to say I think a lot of people in big corporate organizations can feel fearful of not saying the right thing and there's a real culture of this is how we speak these are our key messages you can't divert from that you can't be yourself and put your own spin on it um but I would advise people to seek out role models who are doing this stuff to just show them that it's possible and actually it's very likable. Uh, so there was an example of a, a client of mine called Rose who worked at Zurich Insurance. And she thought, um, do you know what? I, I want to raise my profile. I want to I get on in my career. And I really am passionate about what I do. Uh, so she did a smartphone video. She did a short little video at an event she was speaking at. She was on a panel. And she thought, oh, sod it. I'm just going to share it on social media and ask for forgiveness afterwards. If I get sold off, I'll just ask for forgiveness afterwards. And she did it and she got loads of love. She didn't die. You know, she didn't like fall over. No one told her off. She actually got loads of love from the industry, from her colleagues. And she raised her profile and she just got on with it. So it's that stop coloring in, get on with it. Don't wait for somebody to give you permission to share your expertise your knowledge your experience and your passion for what you do or go home it's fine you don't have to do this stuff it's not imperative but if you want to get ahead you if you're a best foot forward type of a person then you're going to love doing this yeah completely and you said um then a few times about being yourself and when you uh, when you introduced yourself and you said you you made that pivot from um from the bbc to to doing what you do now and to the weight watchers thing you mentioned then you were you you weren't able to be yourself how does somebody know that they're not being themselves? Well, I think your friends and family could probably tell you. So we are different selves, aren't we? That's fair enough. We are our work self, our, you know, standing on the sideline on the football pitch selves. Um, you know, we, we kind of switch and flex our own personality, but it's still the core of us is there, isn't it? But I think my problem, and maybe this will resonate with people in, in corporate organizations or people who think they need to speak in a corporate way, uh, is that it doesn't feel comfortable and it doesn't flow yeah. in the same way that it might flow if you're with, with, you're with mates. And I think 
that is old school. That's kind of pre-credit crunch thinking. It's like we had to be very polished. We had to be very on point for brand. We had to say the right thing. I think people realize that you can't trust that. And so there is a real value in being yourself because you, you need to present your authentic self, don't you? Um, I think what you might notice if you're not being yourself is that you're tired quite easily. You have to make extra effort when you're working on projects or talking about things. The smile is dis you know, not genuine. Um, you might get ill more regularly than you perhaps wouldn't would do if you were in flow. They call it being in flow, don't they? I don't yeah. really understand all that. Um, but yeah, it kind of makes sense if you can be yourself. I know when I first left the BBC and I started doing some videos about my business, I was really, really like uptight. Um, and I wanted to make sure it was absolutely right and come to me. Uh, hello, I do this. And I was a bit nervous about it and a bit, and my husband, who's a brilliant journalist, he's a brilliant uh, producer and director in TV. He watched it and went, yeah, well, the, the technical side's okay, but who's that? <laughs> and he shoved a glass of red wine in my hand and went, just have a sip of that and then tell me from your hip, shoot from the hip, what are you doing? How are you helping people? And I did, and it was like crossing that line into, oh, sod it. Does it matter? Let's give this a go. And I found that there was much more warmth in what I was saying and how I said it. I was more excited about what I was offering. And people found me, you know, to be a human being so i now try and help people with that to be yourselves because otherwise it's just hard work isn't it, it is, yeah no it is and, and you've, you've made it sound like real hard work especially at the impact that it has on it how do how do you help people do that what do you do with them well a lot of it is listening out for stories and the way in which people speak can help and the way in which people share stories from their lives things that to them is really natural because they're speaking about a time that happened that they can really envisage and feel again so they're not trying to second guess what they're about to say by being all formal if that makes sense so I spent a lot of the first coaching session with people when I coached them to raise their profile really listening to them and I can I can hear a good story a million miles you know uh, someone today was telling me about his career story left left school with one O level was a was a set up business as a gardener and he used to put his lawnmower on the bus to go to different you know clients houses to mow their lawns because he didn't have much else you know and that and that's a beautiful story and he didn't tell it in a very formal way at all of course he was just telling me shooting from the hip so once I make a note of those I can help that person see the, the value of telling it in that way and then it's the permission piece, isn't it? Once they know that that's a good story, because some people are unsure. So you do need a kind of coach or a friendly, a critical friend, somebody who can really listen to you and tell you that actually that is, is of interest. And years in journalism, broadcast journalism has, journalism has taught me, you know, what makes a good story, what's going to sound great, what's going to lift off the page. And I think once people start doing that, the more they do, the more they can do. Um, the more they're keen to share their stories and then, you know, they the get good feedback from it. So, yeah, it's a slow but virtuous circle once you start. Yeah. So how does somebody know that they've got a good story or what is a, what is a good story? Because I, um, I was having a conversation with somebody today and, um, and we were talking about, about, about this podcast and uh, a, a number of the people that I've, I've spoken to, they've had uh, real highs 
and and real laws. Um, and then there's not many people that hasn't hasn't had that that journey. So what is it that makes a good story? Um, and if somebody's listening and they go, okay, I, this has happened to me. I went to the shop and uh, I bought something. That's not a very good story. But how do they know what is a good story? I think you can gauge that through the telling of it in different, to different people. So like a stand-up comedian would probably sense check or read the room, gauge their material, either by, you know, telling mates down the pub about the time when dot, 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 or by airing their material on a, you know, a Monday night above a re- in a room above a pub, uh, trying out new material, that sort of thing, and to see if they got a laugh. It's the same if you've got some information that you want to share. So I've got an acronym in my book called FACE, uh, which is also available on the website. You can just print off a form of it. And it's F-A-C-E. Tell us a fact. Add a bit of detail. What's your comment? And then give us an example. And quite often um, when people think about a time when in the example or little story section, they can comment on it. And I think it's the the context of telling a story, not for the sake of telling it, but because it has a point to it, because it has a meaning and a resonance with others. So the guy who uh, left school with one O level and and took his lawnmower on the bus Uh isn't everyone's experience, of course. And, but it kind of is intriguing. It resonates because it shows he's hard worker and it didn't matter that he left school with an O level. He was plucky and determined to do something in the world. Um, and so if he, if he told that to me and I said, oh, yeah, that's a good story. That's one thing, isn't it? But if he told that to many people in different settings and watched what their face did. So, is, you know, if you're telling a boring story, you'll know because people will look at their shoes, won't they? And they can excuse to move on. Whereas if they ask a follow-up question or raise their eyebrows and go, really? Oh my God, I didn't know that. Then you've got a good story. So thinking about how you refine that story, whether you tell it over five minutes or whether you tell it in 30 seconds, depends on whoever you're speaking to, where your setting is. So the face model helps you prepare all your thoughts and then lay it out as you need to and then you can shut up or you can carry on depending on what time you've got so yeah that is a difficult one isn't it because some people give themselves permission to tell really really boring stories don't they and guess what i'm probably going to be spending christmas with some of them Uh, yeah (laughs) completely completely how long can you live off a story for and the the reason why i asked this question is um we were talking just before um before i hit record on on this podcast and i I mentioned my best mate chris and i told you about his three life lessons and i've i've created um a um a face to face course where i introduced those i've spoke about them on the podcast i'm just about to create a digital course that introduces them as well and then i was uh, i want to create a keynote speech that that does it as well but because how how long does it stay relevant for um and how long can you use it for because i've had mixed feedback when i've when i've um when i've spoke about what i want to do and and spread the word to as many people as possible what would you what would you say well, I think the story is the, the sort of starting point for the work that you've just described. And so the telling of the story becomes smaller in every, or, or through the years, I would have thought. And actually the growth it would be in the development of the products that come off it. And actually, you know, the three life lessons are 
so vibrant and resonates so beautifully with so many people that that's just human nature. And that's those, those elements will never die. Um, the story can live on in different shapes and forms as it goes along. But, you know, in a, in a sort of on paper exercise, yeah, you'd say, mm, you can't really live off that, can you? But why not? You know, it happened. It's a really interesting and life-affirming experience through sadness that shouldn't ever have to go away for you. Um, it's not, you know, people are still riding off the back of a gold medal they won 25 years ago and talking about that. People still trotting out, you know, Gerald Ratner mentioning how terrible his jewellery stores were in the 1980s as a business case study. Now, I think those stories are maybe out of date and maybe need updating and refreshing. So I think if you're working with people and offering them information, you need to be uh, you need to be current, don't you? You can't be like, and this is a story, I'm going to tell it in the same way that I told it the first time I told it. Actually, you, the more you present to audiences, the more you present to rooms or through coaching, training, whatever, the more feedback you get from people um, commenting, saying how it works for them, the more you can grow and develop your own stuff. So it's, it's actually being humble enough in front of your audiences to understand what their need is and making sure your story or your uh, solutions to their problems or needs uh, still resonate and still land well. So keeping fresh, really important, but it's a really great question. I wish a lot of the people I see on stages would ask it of themselves <laughs> when they're plotting out the Gerald Ratner story or even the Blockbuster story, you know, the demise of Blockbuster. You know, it's it's getting on to be 15 years old that, and uh, I think there are better stories to be told. Yes, yeah, completely, completely. And if we just just talk about you for just for a moment, how does somebody know that they need Penny Haslam in their life? What is it, what problems so do, do they need to recognise that they've got that they then get in contact with you about? Yeah, it's. I think it, I think business owners and leaders get to a certain point in their career or in their business where they're frustrated with not growing or being seen and being asked to do more so a lot of the conversations I had I have will be with people who have either just got investment or they're about to get investment they're probably employing 15 20 40 people so they're they're great they're successful they're big they're gorgeous and they just want to go the extra mile they want to scale up they want to grow they want to get investment they want to sell they, they're progressive active, interesting people who are doing good stuff in the world, but don't have either the budget or the desire actually to work with um, PR firms and marketing companies, which are brilliant, by the way, I'm not knocking them at all. But if you, if you are a personality at the, at the head of your business or the head of your team, then leverage that and go out and excite the world about what you do rather than relying on a brand or somebody to get you a quote in a trade mag that's not really going to set the world alight. Enjoy what you do, make it part of your activity. So that's a frustration I'd say uh, that I would help solve, a problem I would help solve uh, where people need to be authentic and position themselves um, as, as somewhere where people want to work, where someone, where, where, somewhere where people want to do business so I've got um, an employment lawyer client who, okay, on the face of it, employment law, bit dull, has got clients who are HR directors, you know, again, not going to set the world on fire, but he set out with his business to find people like him and he's funny 
uh, charismatic, a bit, a bit left field, you know, a bit daft, sees things in a certain way. He wants to work with people like him. So he raised his profile. He uses smartphone video on LinkedIn and Twitter. He goes out speaking and is on panels and he gets known for being fun and therefore he attracts people like him to do business with. So happy days, win-win. Brilliant, brilliant. And then it might be the same answer, but this podcast is called Business Problem Solved. What do you think the number one business problem is that needs solving currently? Oh, okay. Uh, That that, that was a funny noise. Oh, yeah. Productivity. We've got... Oh, what, what do you mean by productivity? Well, we're at a stagnant productivity rate in this country and have been for around 10 years. It's called the Productivity Puzzle by economists who cannot work out the fact that we are working really long hours. We have got machines to do stuff for us that are fairly efficient and good at what they do. Yet we can't, and we've got full, almost full employment, you know, record highs in employment levels. Yet we still can't be any more productive. And I rather suspect that two things are happening. We're, we're working too hard, so we need to work less. You know, you know what it's like yourself in your own job. If we work a little less, you come up with better ideas, don't you? I also think there's a confidence issue within organizations that doesn't allow failure. So everyone's very, very, very uptight about not being seen to, to make a boo-boo, you know, go wrong. So you don't get people batting around ideas that might be innovative because they don't, they don't have the confidence to go, oh, yeah, let's try that. Let's try that for six months and see if it works. No, it doesn't. Okay, not to worry. We're, we're hell-bent on productivity and squeezing everything we can out of what we do. But actually, I think we need to just dial that down and find another way. There's loads of evidence of companies who have like gone to a four-day working week or given people um, you know, all the holiday they want, but they never take it sort of thing. And productivity has gone up as a result. So I, I, I know that's a big problem in business. Um, and how you solve it is by bringing in more confidence and having more visible leaders. But I would say that, wouldn't I? Yeah, no, so it's in, really interesting answer that one as well. So you've used the word confidence a few times and I'm a big advocate of trust. And then I was listening to something the, um, the, the other month and, and they said that um, in 80% of the uh, countries in the world, it's exactly the same word, trust and confidence. They don't differentiate between the two. Um, so I talk about trying to create a, a high trust environment and, and getting it make it okay for people to go, actually, we've got an issue here. Um, it's like when the, the Queen came to visit Preston in the, in the 90s, they, they painted all of the gates and all of the fences a teal a teal colour, but but Preston itself was still the same underneath that t- that teal. And I, I see I see that happening in, in organisations. Now, when, when, a, when a leader goes out into the business, people tell them what they think that they want to know, uh, and I think it's because of a, a lack of trust or a, or a lack of confidence in being able to speak out. So I really like your answer. Yeah, I think confidence in leaders as well to realise that they're not the person who has all the answers. And that is real confidence, isn't it? That's when you go, do you know what? I don't know. You tell me. What do you think we should do? Rather than thinking that you have to be the one to solve the problems. You have to be the big, you know, the big cheese, the big je suis. Uh, Admitting that actually the more you know, the less you know. So that And that is real confidence, I think. So it has to come from the top. And not in just a lip service way. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, people will tell you whatever they think you want to hear. Yeah, completely. completely. How would you, how would you help a, a leader um, create be more confident or create more confidence and trust in, in their people? Well, I'd start at home, would you, wouldn't you, like with the individual and talk about their own 
levels of confidence and okay, really yeah. get truthful about that. So, you know, our external interpretation of people's behavior could be that that individual is super confident, but it might be internally that they're not feeling it at all. I've been really fascinated by confidence actually for many years because I've always needed it when I was a radio producer producing Radio 4 programs, business and personal finance, live on national radio. Oh my gosh, I had to at least show that I was super confident. And then latterly in my career as a TV presenter and now a speaker, it's like, yeah, I have to really be super confident, but I've not always felt it, definitely. Um, I remember asking about 10, I asked 10 friends um, at a time in my career when I felt like I had imposter syndrome, I was really doubting myself and I should have been really enjoying my career. And I thought, I'll just ask people who I think are confident. What's your, you know, scale of one to 10? How confident would you say you were? Range, range of different people. And there were like low numbers, low numbers where I really didn't expect it. So somebody who I thought was super confident told me they were four to five out of 10. You know, so it's about understanding your own issues and how that um, is expressed. So you often, quite often we have negative self-talk, don't we? And acknowledging the fact that we even have self-talk is is a good is a good thing to do uh, it's difficult for some people acknowledging it when it's negative and it's possibly not our own voice and being open about this uh, with colleagues and junior team members and going you know what? I don't know everything and I do doubt myself sometimes so I've been on I've, I've chaired panels where uh, the business leader has been on the panel and maybe some of her or his team members have been in the audience and those audience members have come up to me afterwards and gone oh I didn't know that you know he she wasn't always sure of themselves that's really interesting and that's really helped me so it's that piece about being self-aware you know reflecting your own behaviors and why you might have them with with everyone else and accepting yourself in order to then help others so yeah i think it all starts at home with yourself doesn't it yeah completely i watched one of your videos um the other day actually and you've got a video on uh, caveman self-talk haven't you <laughs> and uh and and that that really resonated with me because um, when when I think and when I talk about um, self talk as well, there's a number of people that, that that they might start saying things to them positively, and then the surprise when the results don't change instantly yeah. as well. So there's a there's a bit about dedication as well, isn't it, and just keeping keeping going. Yes, and that whole like, idea that we, if we just had a mantra, it would all be fine. And those phrases like I'm, you've got this. No, I don't. I don't have it. I don't feel like I've got this at all. <laughs> so why? You've got to evidence it's your brain. So you, it's two things, isn't it? It's that whole like knee jerk, um, you know, basic human instinct, which is to seek out the negative because that protects us. Simple as that. And so when we get an email in from the boss, we assume it's bad news. <laughs> We're being asked to do more. Oh, what have I done now? Am I in trouble? Um, so it's about trying to offer that voice um, some factual evidence. Well, I actually, I do know what I'm doing. I can do this. I can solve this problem. Um, and this is how I do it. And listening to it in order to reduce its power. I had a friend who um, was suffering from quite heavy depression. And he said, I can't go out because the voice in my head, the self-talk is really punishing. You know, it's making me paranoid. It's telling me that everyone's watching me. It's really talking loudly to me. I said, okay, well, have you maybe tried giving this uh, self-talk voice a name? Because that can often help sort of separate it from you, uh, make it something else. It's not you. It's not factually accurate. It's operating on an old operating system. It's a knee jerk to, 
to threat. And he went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've given it a name. I've called it the rat. I was like, um, okay, well, that's, you know, it's a really, really powerful label to give what is um, something that is out of date and a bit stupid. So can you think about another name? And he went, oh, yeah, I've got it. I've got it. I'm going to call it Roland the Rat. You see the difference? So it's immediately this soft, fluffy, stupid puppet who isn't believed or trusted when it comes to our own sense of you know, self or self, you know, sense checking our activities and behaviors in order to make ourselves feel more sure of ourselves. Cause, cause we give away our power, don't we? Right through uncertainty. And we don't want to do that. We need to support ourselves first and foremost. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. What's the worst advice you've ever been given? So when I first set up in business, I was told in no uncertain terms that I had to go networking. You have to go networking. You have to go networking. Go networking because it will take your business to the next level. And that was what was promised. But I wasn't actually told how to do networking in any sort of meaningful way. And I've since learned in just six years in business, so I'm still a newbie, I think, that actually networking isn't about taking your business to the next level on that lunchtime that you're there in central Manchester or whatever, at a networking event. It's about making connections, growing your network, meeting nice people, making good friends who are, yeah, they're in business, but some of my, some of my best friends I met through business, through the association I belong to. And then the other strategic advice I was failed to be given at the time was pick your networking event. You know, don't just go to any old lunchtime networking event. Maybe join an association. Maybe think about doing something a bit more strategically. And don't do it forever. You know, try it for a couple of months. If it doesn't suit you, if you don't like the people in the room, then jog on. Go to a different one. Try it out. But don't feel, you know, a lot of people go, I have to go networking. I'm going to be, oh, I'm going to get business cards. And then they expect that they're going to transform into clients immediately. Absolutely not true. But that was the worst advice I was given because I actually hate networking, despite being a you know performer. I, that's what I. That's why I got into speaking because um, I didn't like networking. But someone asked me then to speak at a networking event, which I loved. You know, I wasn't very good, and I got help doing so. And now, God, I've won awards for my speaking, which I'm really proud of. But initially. Oh, but initially I wasn't that great, but I realized I shook hands with the whole room in one go. So I didn't have to go round being rubbish at networking and feeling like I was on the back foot. Oh, amazing. No, um, I've heard that a lot of times. You've got to grow, go networking to grow. So what when you when you go networking, are you just going there with the mindset of just meeting meeting new people and having some interesting conversations? Or what what are you going there to do? Well, I think the whole phrase go networking is incorrect. I think the advice should be develop your network, which means identifying people in your industry who can become great peers, who you can refer work to. Um, it might also mean meeting people from a diverse range of businesses, none of whom might be part of your client base, but nonetheless, you can help each other and they might know each other. But I think to go networking sounds like it's one-off bit of activity. The, the, the juice, the joy, the, the brilliance is in growing a network of people who you know well enough that you can refer them, rely on them, phone them up. You've got permission to phone them up. Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's about making decent friends, isn't it? And, uh, you know, yeah. And as, actually, as a result of joining my 
association, the Professional Speaking Association. Um, I've grown my network with a bunch of people who, you know, technically I'm in competition with, but actually it's such a supportive environment that it's helped my business flourish. I've really understood it a lot more and um, I wouldn't be without it. It's amazing. Really, really is. So if you've got an industry-based association that you think, oh, actually I could be part of that, then don't just be part of it either. Offer to speak, offer to be on the committee, get involved, you know, make it yours really. I think that's where the, the value is. Yeah. Would you use the same strategy online as well as offline? So for your social media um, stuff in terms of, and what I mean by that is in creating content as opposed to consuming content and um, create, um, making connections as, uh, on, um, on your uh, network, the networking events as opposed to just turning up to networking events. Do you, know, do you see what I'm trying to say there or, or not? Is that a really badly yeah. worded question? No, I mean, I think if you're lurking on social media, you should maybe lurk somewhere else because it you're only, you're not going to get anything out of it and you do get out what's that old phrase you get out what you put in sort of thing um, being yourself on social media is really crucial i think the, the employment lawyer who i mentioned earlier is really himself and he gets attention for what he does as a result i'm the same i actually got to the point after that sip of glass sip of red wine in that video i thought oh sod it I'm just going to be myself, I'm going to say what I think, you know, keep it on point, keep it business minded, you know, keep the mess, but being useful to people. And I think that's, that's really part of what make yourself a little bit famous is all about is about how you can be useful to people, not salesy. So people say, Oh, I would do social media, but I don't know what to say. Well, actually, if you can share information with people, you can help, okay, solve business problems. Um, then you're going to be thought of more credibly. You're going to be thought of front of mind before anyone else because you've understood someone's problem rather than going, come to us. We're amazing. We sell stuff. We make, we provide a service. You know, what is it about your customer base that you understand inherently that you can sit with them and you can, you know, help them navigate through their problems or offer them the services. But yeah, absolutely. You know, if you don't have time to create a new thought in a blog or on a post, then read the news, read, uh, you know, well-sourced, accurate news media and share an article. Have you seen this? This is interesting. It's all about the problem that I set out to solve. I couldn't agree more. And just a little comment on it because that helps elevate your status as an expert on, in your subject and you attach yourself to certain congruent subjects. You know, don't go off piece. Don't, don't start mentioning other things than you. So of being congruent and try and get known for what you do through helping people. That would be my main advice on LinkedIn and social media. Be yourself, be bold as well, and be visible. Perfect, perfect. So what does a motivational speaker, coach and author have for the tea? <laughs> what, tonight? Actually, tonight. Yeah, what are you having to yeah, live, Actually, tonight. Live tea. What? Um, yeah, what are you having for your tea? I think, now I'm very proud of my husband who was very open to the idea of him doing all the cooking as long as I did all the washing. I like, I don't mind washing and laundry. I can't stand cooking Wow. and vice versa. So we've got, you know, if you're going to talk about it like a business, we've actually defined our roles really well. <laughs> Everyone's happy. So I think, I think it's going to be anchovy pasta. Oh, wow. Which is a Monday night staple. It's a cheap tea because a tin of, tin of anchovies in the cupboard you know, it's a store cupboard tea, isn't it? It's a real um, comfort food as well. It's really garlicky and lemony. And it is basically just some anchovies out of a tin 
with some mushrooms, run through some pasta. Oh, my mouth's watering. Hey, very good. I, I really I, can't wait. And I really hope he is cooking that for you. I really do. I'm gonna, there's going to be trouble if not. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> dead, dead right, dead right. So if, if people wanted to find out more about Penny Haslam, where would they go? What would they do? And, and how would they do it? Oh, it's dead simple. You just type in Penny Haslam. There you go. And then some stuff comes yeah. up. Take your pick on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. I've got a website um, of, you know, all the, all the greats. And there's a book uh, page as well with some resources on it. So the FACE acronym that I mentioned earlier, you can print off the website and fill it out. See if it works. You know, it works in meetings. It's, it's helped people win job interviews as well, funnily enough, because it's just a really good way of funneling your communication to be really concise and compelling and confident sounding, which is uh, half the battle really, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. And if people want to get hold of your book um, or book, depends uh, where, where they're from, uh, where, would they, where would they get that? <laughs> If they want to look in my booth, yeah. they, might, they might want to just Google it. And either if they like going on Amazon, they buy it there. It's also available on a Kindle uh, version and also an audio version. Or oh, do you read oh, your own audio? I read my own audio. You know, I've got a background in broadcasting, so it'd be stupid not to, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's where I was going. Yeah, good. Go oh, on. my goodness. It gave me a sore throat. That was a lot of effort. So uh, <laughs> please buy the audio book because then you, you know, validate my efforts. Uh, you can buy it on my website or you can buy it off, you know, basically everywhere. Amazing. Amazing. Um, uh, thank you very much. For that. I, I'm conscious of the time. You're a busy, popular girl. Um, so I've got my tea to look forward to as well. Yeah, you have. You've, you've been cooked your tea. And uh, I think just I think just before I pressed the record, you said you said yoga this evening as well. So look, look, yeah. what, what an evening ahead. Um, so it was pen, <laughs> pennyhaslam.co.uk. It was the website and Amazon and, o- and other places for the book. Yeah, smashing. Much appreciated. No, thank you. Seriously, though, thank you very much for your time uh, this afternoon. It's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. Cheers, Lee. Thanks very much, Penny. Look after yourself. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the Business Problem Solver or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.